0: heard the expression what feeds you feels you what goes in is what comes out garbage in garbage out i believe it was 2014 when Sachin Tendulkar was gifted a Ferrari now i'm not getting into the details of the controversy when he tried to bring the car in but i'm not sure whether you knew he had to bring the fuel import the fuel for the car because the manufacturer had certain specs on how and what fuel should be used for that car because if you don't use the right fuel there'll be knocking there will be many explosions and the engine will go bust god is saying there is a certain kind of fuel that must go for this inner man that he's given you let's talk about it uh, do a quick review first session we looked at the charge having presented the mercies of god in chapter 1 to chapter 11 Paul gives us a charge. He appeals and he said we have to respond. In session two, we saw consecration as that response. That a lifestyle change is the evidence of the new life that God has given you. You know, just after you're born, you have to live. So. Life doesn't stop at birth. It continues on in life, a lifestyle. That's how physical life is. And similarly, even for the spiritual, after you're regenerated, after you're born again, there needs to be this continuous life, this lifestyle, which is the sanctification that we have been talking about again and again. And in this session, we want to talk about change. That's the key word for us. And the phrase that we want to pick up from our passage is, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And I want to say that's the essence of sanctification. And and so we want to ask ourselves this question, what do you become as a result of this lifestyle change? And we will learn that we become like the one we worship. We become Christ-like. And what Paul is doing is he's giving us two actionable steps. Two things we can do. One is to avoid and the other is to pursue. Avoid being conformed to this world and to pursue being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, I want you to understand that this two-edged, solution is very biblical you find this again and again in matthew chapter 12 verse 44 we see uh there is a uh, there is a man who was demon possessed and when the demon leaves him he searches around and doesn't find rest and when he returns he finds the house is clean it's swept it's empty and he brings in seven more and the wor- the the last state of the man is worse than the first state. So what's happening there is that this person uh, cleaned up and emptied himself, but he did not fill. He did not he did not occupy with something good, and that led to disaster. And uh, another example: Second Timothy chapter two twenty-two, where Paul's talking to uh, Timothy, and he says. Flee youthful lust. Now, if you just flee, if you just flee and you just run helter skelter, it's not going to help. You need to flee to something. So, therefore, he says, Flee from the youthful lust, but flee to, which is pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. So, I want you to keep that in mind as we come back to this passage. But let me just pray before we start. Father, we look to your word. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, that as we gaze deep into your living word, that we are able to see your Son more clearly. Help us, O oh, Father, that we are able to see the glories of Christ. Make us, O oh, Father, more like your Son. That's our desire for all of us. Thank you for answering our prayers in Jesus Christ, the Lord's name. Amen. All right, so there are certain words that we need to understand. I want to take them in two parts. The first part is do not be conformed to this world." So the first word is conformed. What does that mean? Uh, J.B. Phillips in his translation, I guess, or transliteration says, do not let the world uh, around you uh, squeeze you into its mold. Do not let the world around you squeeze you into their mold. So it's the imagery of a, a substance being squeezed into a mold. It's something like baking, all right? I mean, some of you bake. And so you have a mold and you have the dough and you put the dough into the mold and you shape it so that the dough now takes the shape of that mold. The world is trying to do that to you. It means our minds can be influenced it can it's conformable it is moldable it's pliable and therefore it you we need to be very careful that the right thing or the right person must put the right pressure when our mind is impacted so that's conform all right so then we have the word world world now this is the value system uh, of of Or the way of life, if you would, uh, that is opposed to God. Now, we already saw that there is a lifestyle that God is saying. God insists on a certain lifestyle, but the world has its own um, lifestyle, its own uh, perspective, and it's foreign to God's Word. It's foreign to the Word of God. This worldview as we call it or this perspective of the world is uh seen best in 1 john chapter 2 verse 16 where it says and you can see that on your screen it says the desires of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life those those are the three ways you will see this world view manifest itself Uh, it's like gravity it's always around you, always exerting pressure, trying to conform you to it's uh, its view. So we are urged, therefore, to move away from being conformed to being transformed. We need to be transformed. We need to be moving away from living in the flesh. To walking in the spirit that's the phrase that Paul uses again and again in Romans and in his episode so what's the radical difference between conformity and transformation it's important that we spend some time listening and, and hearing this out okay so one I want you to understand conformity is external while transformation is internal the first This conformity is something that's working on us. You know, we talk about peer pressure and cultural pressure and social pressure and political pressure. It's it's like trying to uh, influence you and squeeze you into this mold that uh, it wants to fit you into. But the second, the transformation, is on the inside. There's no change, you know, physical change on the outside. You don't have a halo over your head. You don't grow angel wings. Uh, But this change is on the inside. And also the difference is there is death and life. That's the difference. This is really important. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 8. And you see that on your screen, Romans chapter 8, verse 6. It says there, for to set the mind on the flesh, it's not, it's not that it leads to death, but is death. All right, so setting your mind on the flesh is death. And you come down to verse 10, it says the spirit, um, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead, the, the latter part, the spirit is life because of righteousness? So I want you to understand: one is death in its characteristic; the other is life. Not that it leads to it, but it's the very embodiment of death and life. So there's conformity in this transformation. So keep that in mind. Right now, the other difference that I would say is this difference: one is natural, and the other is unnatural. Not just divine, but I'm I want to say it's unnatural. Conformity is natural. It's going with the flow. You know, it just fit in. And that's what conformity is. It's very natural for us to fit in. We, we try our best even to fit in. But conformity, uh, sorry, transformation is swimming upstream. It's going against the current. It requires work. And so when you compare the two, I want you to understand this conformity and transformation are two ends of the spectrum, the two opposite ends. Conformity is trying to fit in at all costs. And, um, you know, um, it, it, it just wants to blend in. That's conformity. But transformation prevents you from fitting in. It doesn't let you fit in. You see how totally different they are. So it's important to notice this because uh w- we become like the ones that we set ourselves apart to. we become like the ones we consecrated to, we become like the ones we worship. if we set ourselves up to be conformed to like the idols, turn with me, and you can see that on your screen, psalm one hundred and fifteen verse eight psalm one hundred and fifteen verse 8 it says that those who make them become like them so do all who trust in them so if you conform to the idols you become like an idol but in Opposition to that is 2 Corinthians 3.18. Again, you can see that on your screen, but most of us know this verse, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So who we consecrate ourselves to, who we worship, who we gaze on, we become like that. So... Now then the second part. So we said do not be conformed to this world, but now be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, two words, renew and mind. First is that word renew. Renew is to renovate, to rip out the old and to put in the new. It's a construction term. Now when there's construction, there's mess, right? There's dust, there's debris, there is... Uh, Trip wires. you've got to be careful, it's painful, it's laborious, but that's what renewal is all about. It's a a disruptive word, you know, that's the latest buzzword, isn't it? Like, come up with a disruptive technology. Uh, Bible had a disruptive word a long time ago, that's what this word renew is. If you want to really understand what and how that clearly uh, can be understood, I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 it says then if you've been raised with christ seek the things that are above that is a good definition for what a renewed mind looks like it seeks the things that are above, not on the things of the earth now again, this is in such opposition to the world because the world, and you've heard this many times, right? You've heard the world say, "Don't be so heavenly-minded that you're of no earthly good." The Bible is saying, "Oh, you cannot be of earthly good if you're not, uh, if your mind is not of uh, set on the things above, if you're not heavenly-minded," and, and and so you you you're beginning to see how polar opposites, both are. You can't have your foot on one and uh, the other on the other. You have to choose between the two. All right, let's go to the next word, which is mind. Mind. It says here, renewing of the mind. Now, the Bible has many uh, words that it uses for mind. And for our understanding here, you can broadly divide it into two parts. One is the psyche, the psyche, and the word used here is news, which is about thinking, it's about rationale, it's about understanding, it's about the will that chooses or decides. So that's the psyche. And then you have the forneo for neo as we read in philippines chapter 2 verse 5 let this mind be in you which was in christ jesus also let this for neo be in you let this lifestyle be in you let this mindset be in you let this world view be in you it's a lifestyle belief so mind therefore is one that decides and chooses and rational thinking and then you have here also a lifestyle and this mind has a mind of its own. That's what it's saying. You, this mind is really very important. I, I love this uh, expression, which makes it even more clear. If you turn the to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. Ephesians 4 and 23. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Wow, like mind has a spirit. Uh, what it really means is that this mind is able to decide, it's able to choose, it's it's got rationale. And and so uh, we're saying that who wins the battle over your mind wins the game. Your mind is important in this equation. That's why the renewal of the mind, the renewal of the mind. The renewal of the mind is necessary for the transformation of, the, of that we see, that Christ likeness that we want to want to have. And so the key word that we have here is change, change. This is a call to action. In First Peter chapter one verse thirteen, you'll see that on your screen. It says, "Therefore, preparing your mind to action or for action." Right? It, it, you need to act. You need to do something. It must be done daily because our mind needs a daily remind. It's not a once for all event, it's an ongoing event. Our mind needs a daily remind. You have to be, it has to be reminded again and again and again. And that is, that is what we saw earlier, this daily sacrifice. You know, we have this tendency, as we've heard many times, uh, of the sacrifice slipping off the altar. It's coming back and offering of yourself and saying, God, this life belongs to you. Begin in your prayer in the morning, say that to God. saying that Lord, this life of mine, I want to give to you today. Whatever I do, whatever I think, whatever, whatever my uh, words are going to be, let it be for you and for your glory. Well, that's labor, right? That's difficult. That's not easy. Uh, Eugene Peterson, he borrows this phrase from Nietzsche, who's the German philosopher, but he wrote wrote a book called The Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And what he's saying is, I mean, it's it's like, yeah, every day, every day you got to work on it, work at it, and he keeps doing till till this. Till death, uh, It's a long obedience in the same direction. It, it's this daily renewal that helps us with uh, maturing, with uh, our discernment. We'll see that in the next session a little more clearly. But for now, I just want you to pause this video and um, you will get this either as a Slido or you can just go through your notes or even, if possible, on a Zoom quiz, I've asked this question, which of these phrases are biblical? And I've given you um, six choices. In fact, there are four choices, and the last two are, you know, all of these are biblical truths or none of these are biblical truths. I want you to discern which of these are true. Let's pause here. Okay, so I'm not sure what your results have come out as. It's interesting. or I would love to have seen what your thoughts are. But the right answer is the last one. None of these are biblical truths. They all seem to be true. Uh, oftentimes, people say that as biblical truths, but they're not. And you might want to ask me, like, uh, how come? We can talk about it during the fireside chat, maybe, or if you want to text me uh, or email me, I'm glad to, uh, uh, you know, I'd love to answer those questions, but I think it's important for us to move on to ask, practically, how do we renew our minds? We realize that we've got to renew our minds. That's the only way to proceed, but how do I do it practically? Let me give you three ways. The first, you'll see that in Second Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter ten verses three to five. And the first one is this: We fight, we fight for our minds against destructive thoughts. We fight for our mind. I mean, we got, it's it's a battle that is going on, and so I want you to be very very careful about this. All right, for the. <clears throat> Uh, Verse 3, chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. That is, if you have a thought which is non-Christ-like, you're just gonna arrest it and put it in in a prison, I guess, or just prevent it from entering your mind. So that's a daily battle that we we need to fight because there's, there's a fight to control your mind. And these strongholds must be torn down. Stronghold is a lie that you hold on to. There are certain lies that we hold on to, and we think that that that's biblical, may not necessarily be. So how do we do that? How do we, you know, destroy these thoughts? How do we hold them captive? Look at the second one. The second one says we feed our minds with the truth of God. We feed our minds with the truth of God. Our mind needs good nutrition for it to be healthy. Uh, We might say, oh, it needs a balanced diet. A balanced diet is not a mix of the spiritual and of the world. You know, we want to be worldly wise and we want to be spiritually wise. It's like taking uh, poison and putting it into, I don't know, butter chicken (laughs) or whatever dish that you like right? We don't do that. We want a balanced diet, but of God's word, a wholesome, uh, the whole counsel of God. It's essential. So we feed ourselves on God's word. There is, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure whether you've heard of this, but Oxford Analytica. There are a group of these professors, highly learned, highly intellectual, intellectuals. They meet in Oxford every day at six o'clock to talk about things and events that have happened around the world in the past 24 hours and by 11 o'clock they would have you know assessed that and come to certain decisions and companies pay big bucks to lay lay hands on those decisions because they know uh, the course of action. Now Oxford Analytica was uh, founded on Um, On this premise that best leaders make the best decisions when they have the best information. And, And that's what God is saying. You want the best information, you want to make the best decision, you want to be the best leader, you want to lead your life well, then base it on God's word. right? The third one is we fill our inner man with the spirit of God. We fill the inner man with the Spirit of God. You see, we been, there is a command, be filled with the Spirit of God. Oh, and to be filled by the Spirit of God, it means evacuation of everything else. It's, it means not just emptying, cleaning, and sweeping away bad thoughts, but filling it with the right. And in this case, with the person of the Holy Spirit. It's important. That's what we have to do. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 19, but I want to read verse 16. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. This is uh, Paul's prayer to the Ephesian church, and I want to read just verse 16 that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power, that he will strengthen you with power through his spirit. The Holy Spirit will strengthen you in your inner being. Right? Then also turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse uh, 29. I, I just love this because this is beautiful. It says, for this I toil, I labor, I struggling, And I toil and I struggle with all His energy, God's energy, that He so powerfully works within me. God has given me His energy. He powerfully works and I toil and I uh, struggle. This cooperation that we've been talking about from the beginning. But then the question is, I've been renewed, but I also want to know I've been transformed. It's it's happening all inside of me. But are there some visible signs, some things that I can take encouragement on? I can, uh, 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 you know, hold accountable um, myself or hold someone else accountable. Let me let me give you some like four practical ways. Okay, so one is. Uh, First, I want you to check, I want you to, uh, you know, that you decide your Genesis 3 moment better than the year before. Let me put that again, all right? Are you able to see that you decide your Genesis 3 moment better than the year before? Are people able to see that there is a consistent godly lifestyle change in you? We spoke about the Genesis 3 moments and I said, you know, we are faced on a daily basis with this choice to choose what God has said or to choose what the devil is trying to say, which is always in opposition to what God is saying. Do I not choose? Do I, do I get, am I eager, am I excited to follow the will of God at all costs and all pain? Do I consistently choose life over death? We saw that in Romans chapter 8, verse 6 and 10, isn't it? But I also want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy. This, this, This verse is beautiful. Deuteronomy chapter 30, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Again, you'll see that on your screen. And it says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death blessing and curse therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live learning to choose life knowing that being conformed to this world is death it's it's living in the flesh but as opposed to that being transformed to the image of Christ I'm gonna live in a way that is life it is life and, and, and so That's the first one, right? So how do I decide? Second, is there an increased determination to obey God? There's this insistence on godly obedience. You see, when God has revealed uh, things to you and you know what to do, do you obey? Because there is Colossians 129, there is the spirit of God now in you to enable you to do that. Uh, one of the great examples that I really like is about the uh, the apostles. You know, they were timid, they were scared, they they were they were hiding themselves, and uh, and then the spirit of God falls on them. They are filled with the Holy Spirit, and in chapter five, Acts, and verse twenty nine, they are uh, now in front of the high priest, who's like, "I told you to you know keep quiet, don't." Preach about Jesus and about resurrection. And this is what Peter says in verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. Ah, what a stand. What conviction. The same people who were scared and timid not make a stand. There's that holy determination but not just that they also you you would also have an increased discernment from god's word what i mean by that is you know I've, I've spoken to people who would say i'm reading god's word it's not nothing's happening it's boring i've heard one brother say that but as you seek god through god's word you will begin to see your excitement as the Spirit of God gives you more discernment. You will begin to see that your worldview, the way you think, starts to sync with the word view. What God is saying, you start to sync with it. And that's that is essential. That's part of the transformation. I want you to know you couldn't do that on your own strength. It's the Spirit of God in you that's making that possible. But also there's the fourth one. There's this increasing discipline to persevere. You know, you get up every day and you say, Lord, this life is yours. It's a daily sacrifice. And you persevere. There is this inner conviction that every, uh, every ounce of your energy is worth it, your labor is worth it, you're willing to sweat it. Till Galatians chapter four verse nineteen, as you will see in the screen, Galatians four nineteen says, "Till Christ is formed in you." Till this confirmation, uh, this confirmation is set aside. It's transformation from the inside that you become Christ-like. I hope those changes are happening in you. I want you to think about this, right? Because I was reading an article um, about John McKay in his book, uh, Preface of Christian Theology. He uh, writes about two kinds of people. There are these balconiers, he calls. People are sitting on the balcony on a Spanish villa and they're looking out. And on the street below, there are these travelers, people who are on the street, now, these balconiers can hear what the travelers are saying. They can engage in conversation, ask questions, give comments and opinions. And, and, and so, as this happens, uh, John McKay is saying, "You see, for the balconiers, it's just hypothetical. It's just conversation. They're trying to engage in the challenges that these travelers are facing, and their opinions are just." Opinions, hypothetical. it doesn't really impact them. But for the travelers, it's real. They need to find a real solution for life. You you see, that is the important thing. I want you to understand, we we, we don't want to talk about God's Word hypothetically. I, I mean, like what use it is? What use is it if I just look at God's Word and tells me, yeah, okay, this is great. Oh, I've learned some details about Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 but it doesn't impact you, it doesn't change you. Are you a balconier or are you a traveler? Are you saying, I need desperate answers for life because I see that this needs to be applied. I cannot do this life without help. This increasing transformation as you look at God's word, this desire to persevere, this ability to decide, they are signs of your transformation. And I pray that um, that we are all travelers, not just balconiers. For well, the next session, we will see the end result of all this, right? As Paul continues on. But uh, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to uh, have you spend some time in discussion. I've given you a question already, because what you've heard now, you have to apply. The monkey is on your back. Uh, Don't just be a hearer of God's word, but commit to learn and apply and live what God has taught you. Let me just pray, and I'll let you go. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit in us who powerfully works within us so that we can toil, we can struggle. Oh, Father, we pray, give us that perseverance that does not give up in spite of labor or trial or difficulty. Help us, Lord, not to be a balconeer, Once just sitting in the balcony and and just commenting on things. Help us, Lord, not to be just people who have become encyclopedias of the Bible. Uh, Father, that we are, it's real to us, real life, and lived out, Lord, so that we can experience the truth of God's word in our lives. Make us, oh, Father, we pray more like your son. We thank you. We love you. Thank you for all that you've been to us. In Jesus Christ, the Lord's name. Amen.